Well, welcome to Family Life Church today as we start our new series, From the Ground Up. From the Ground Up. And just out of curiosity, who was here last week? Were you on the, here on Easter? Awesome. Well, welcome back. And uh, as we start today, I just wanted to get something just out in the open. I hope you didn't come for the magic tricks today. Because I can't make anyone disappear and reappear like my husband did last week, right? But wasn't that awesome last week? Uh, We're just celebrating at all the new lives in Christ, and we're excited about this new series, From the Ground Up. So why don't you turn to somebody sitting beside you and say, build your life from the ground up. So even though I can't do magic tricks, I really do have some good news. That whether you are a believer that's new, uh, maybe you've recently decided to follow Jesus, or maybe you've been in church for a long time, there's some good news for us today as we look into some really basic, essential things to check our foundation, to check our foundation, how we're building our life from the ground up. You know, if a kid wants to play baseball or football or soccer, or if they want to play an instrument or learn to dance, they always have to start with the basics, you know? Um, I don't know if you've ever had a child play, play t-ball, but, you know, they start playing t-ball, and they're, they're thinking they're major league already. And they're ready to just, like, hit the ball way far, and then they put that little tee up. Why do they do that? They, they do that so that they can learn the basics. Because everyone knows that unless you know the basics, you can never hit the home run. Unless you learn the basic of keeping your eye on the ball, right, you'll never make it to the bigs. And uh, that's how it is with our Christian life. Unless we learn some very fundamental things about how to walk with God, then we're not going to be able to really win a lot in life. And, you know, if you don't master the basics, as we saw in that bumper, you can get pummeled by your opponent. Now, everybody knows that the first rule of playing the infield and of getting the grounder is to put your glove where? Right, in the dirt, on the ground. And even though... These teams had made it to the World Series. So, obviously, it's one of the best first basemen in the league. He didn't do a basic, right? And what happened? They lost the World Series. And it could be like that for us as believers. We can walk with God. We can feel like we're doing well. We can even feel like we're walking in the bigs. And, man, when we just stop doing the basic things, that's when... Things happen that we're like, how did that happen? I don't understand why my faith didn't work. I don't understand, right? And so that's what this series is about. You see, when we step into our new life in Christ, when we say yes to Jesus and stop trying to figure out life on our own, we say, God, I don't want to do this life without you. I realize I need a Savior. And we say, I choose to follow you. The Bible says in that moment, God does the miracle. And in that instant, we are changed from darkness to light. In that instant, we go from being far away from God to being part of God's family, like we sang about this morning. In that moment, we go from an eternity headed toward hell to an eternity headed toward heaven. God does the miracle stuff. But don't you know, even though that our spirit on the inside is instantly transformed, we have the rest of us to deal with. We have our regular thoughts, our thought life to deal with. We have our habits, our attitudes. We have this belief system that we've built up in our life that we have to really understand, okay, is what I'm believing true or is it just an opinion? We have all these assumptions that somewhere we caught along the way, assumptions about God, assumptions about who God is, what we really believe about who we are. 
See, the Bible is full of very basic truth about the character of God that we have to know or we're going to get pummeled by the enemy. The Bible is very, uh, full of very basic truth about who God says we are. And unless we know that and it becomes part of how we build our life from the ground up, we're going to get pummeled by the enemy. We don't want you to lose in life. And God didn't set you up to lose. God set you up to win. And, um, you know, even though, praise God, when we walk into the door of salvation and all of our sin is gone, we have to learn that it's our responsibility to build our life, to build our life in Christ. And the Bible gives us all the tools to learn how to build our life from the ground up, from the ground up. And truthfully, just like in baseball, the more skillful a player becomes at the basics, the more they'll win. In your Christian walk, the more skillful you become at getting your, uh, your faith in the Bible and learning and embracing the truth of the Bible, the more skillful you become in walking out what that truth means, the more skillful you become in cooperating with the Father and, and cooperating with the leading of his spirit, the more skillful you become at those things, the more you win. It's basics. And so that's what this whole series is about. And I just encourage you, I challenge you to try and be here every single week because we're going to hit some basics. We're not going to hit every single basic that you'll find in the Bible. We're going to hit several that are going to really help all of us, no matter where we are in our walk, build our lives from the ground up. So this morning, I'm going to dive into the Bible, looking, first of all, at Romans chapter 8. And uh, interesting, interestingly enough, Victoria just read this, and the team had no idea what I was speaking about today. I only requested one song from them today. Um, but as we go through this message, it's very clear that the Holy Spirit wants us to catch some things, because a lot of what they said today, the scripture that she just shared, we're going to actually teach on this morning. So this is the message translation of Romans 8, starting with verse 12. It says, don't you see that you don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? There's nothing in it, nothing in the old life for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is give it, the old life, a decent burial, and get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons you. He's calling you. Come on, there are places to go. There are things to do, right? This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's an adventurously expectant greeting God with a child like, what's next, Papa? What's next, God? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is, and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we're going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. So today there are just two main takeaways that we're going to talk about. For your notes, the first takeaway is this. The first basic that we're going to talk about to build our life from the ground up is that I'm 100% family. I'm 100% family. You know, this isn't like a warm, fuzzy phrase we throw around. This is a basic that we have to get on the inside of us and truly believe that we can build our whole life on. I'm 100% family. You see, part of what Jesus did when he died on the cross, we know that he forgave us of our sins and he took the punishment of everything we've ever done wrong. We understand that because we've been taught that. Maybe you've never been taught 
that what Jesus did was actually build a bridge to you back to the Father. You see, when God created Adam and Eve in the, big, in the beginning, they were all family. And then Eve and Adam, you know, they took the bite. They committed treason. And then they were cut off from God. But what Jesus did was build the bridge back for us. So when we say yes to Jesus, yeah, we're instantly transformed on the inside. And he restored us to the family. 100% family. Ephesians 1.5 says this, that God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Galatians 4 says you can tell for sure that you are now fully adopted as his own children because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives. God made it plain that you are not a slave, but a child. And if you're a child, you are also an heir with complete access to the inheritance. You're not on the outside looking in the window, trying to figure out how to get some good stuff into your life. The Bible says that through Christ, you and I have been given complete access to everything God has. Let me ask you for a second. Is there one thing God lacks? You've been given complete access. Complete access to everything that he has. So I'm going to ask for a second for us to just push pause for just a minute. Just to push pause. And I'm going to encourage us, if we can, to move past religious thinking. To move past assumptions of things that we might have thought about God. And to really hear the truth this morning. You know, we sing, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, and I'm not making light of that song. I'm just saying we sing it from the time we're little, we talk about being God's child, and it seems like just the surface whatever to us. But God went to great lengths so that you can be restored to him and made part of his family. And essential for building our life is for us to get really strongly on the inside of us, that God is not some far away detached God that we can never understand, that's always mysterious, that you never know how he's going to act. God is your father, and he's good. He's a good father. You know, the Bible uses the term adoption, and we just read those two scriptures. And over the last, within the last 10 years, my, my personal life has been expanded because my sister And my brother-in-law adopted two children. And so for us, adoption is a personal thing. And, you know, watching my sister and my brother-in-law walk through this, I saw the behind the scenes. I saw the process that they went through, the, the, the love that started to grow in their heart to make a home for the homeless. That's what God's in the business of doing. The process of love that started to grow in their heart the process of all the evaluations they had to go through and the the learning that they had to go through and the people coming and examining things that they had to go through, the, the financial price that they actually paid, the whole legal process that they had to pay to adopt children into their family. They went to great lengths so that they could welcome two precious kids into their family. Great lengths. And not only was it a love thing for them, Not only was it a financial thing for them, but it was a very legal thing for them. You see, the kids have been completely grafted 
into their family. They have the family name. They have rooms in the family house. They have their own beds. They have their own bikes. They walk up to the refrigerator anytime that they want to. They open that fridge and take out anything that they want. If they're sick or if they're hurt, they run to their parents and their parents take care of them. If they want or need anything, they ask, just like any other kid on the face of the earth. And they don't keep track of how many times they ask and how big the ask is. They ask. And you know that my sister and my brother-in-law do everything. They move the world if they can for their kids. You know, I'm going to bring up a couple of pictures just to kind of give some, some context. Because if you hop on to my sister's Facebook for half a second, you can tell that these kids lack for nothing. They not only have their wants and or their needs met of food and shelter, but they have fun stuff. They have a pool. They have like this huge swing set thing. You can just keep scrolling through those pictures. See, look at that. Like every kid in the neighborhood wants to be at their house. They have this huge swing set. They have a pool. They have all this fun stuff. They have four-wheelers. They have bikes. They are well provided for. They're well provided for. And, you know, I'm going to have them show up the, show up the Christmas picture. They're not only adopted into their family, their family with their mom and dad, but they've now been adopted into this big extended family, my personal family. And do you know at Christmas time, when we give gifts to all of the kids in our family, there is absolutely, absolutely no difference between what those ad- kids that are family by adoption get or the kids that are family by birth get. They all get the same amount of presents. They are all celebrated just the same. They are all loved completely unconditionally. They're all grafted in completely to the family. They're grafted in completely to the family. You know, one of, the, um, one of, one of her kids, my niece was born in Central America, and my nephew was actually born in the United States. And, um, you know, even though we don't know everything about their backstory, what's very obvious is that for some reason they were orphaned. And can you see how that their current reality of being adopted into a wonderful family, that their current reality is completely different than if they would have remained an orphan? Can you see that the future that is being laid out for them is like a completely different trajectory than if they would have remained an orphan? We know that the Bible says that about you and me where it concerns God. It concerns, it, it, it says the same thing about our current reality, about our future. It actually says the same thing about that whole example with Christmas. You see, the Bible says that even though Jesus is God's son by blood, he's accepted us and loves us just the same. You know, it's hard for us to wrap our heads around that. But the reality is I'd like us to step past religious thinking and past just surface And really, truly understand that we can build our entire life on the fact that the Father God loves you like he loves Jesus. The Bible says in Romans 8, 17, that if we're his children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing all of Christ's inheritance with him. Again, what is is lacking in Christ? Nothing. Nothing. What is available to him? 
all things, all wisdom, all peace, all provision, all understanding about the future, all healing. It's available in Christ. So this morning, as we close out this first point, I just want you to really grasp this. Grasp the fact that you are not an orphan. Spiritually speaking, you're not out there all by yourself, detached from a family, trying to figure stuff out on your own, sad from the outside looking in. You're not an orphan. You are 100% grafted. You have a seat at the table. You have a room in the house. You have a bike. You can walk up to God's fridge and open it and look at all the good stuff in there. And you can take out what you need. That's your place. You see, when we say yes to Jesus, we, have, we not only have our sins forgiven and our eternity has changed, we are given a whole new position, a whole new family. You have God's name. You have everything available to you that he has because you're 100% grafted. And God went to great lengths for you. And just like my sister had to pay money for legal fees and it costs money to fly to Central America and I'm sure she had to pay money to an orphanage and all that kind of stuff. There was a great price paid for you. We celebrated that last week in Jesus, a great price that was paid for you. So this morning, no, God loves you. He moved heaven and earth so that not only could you be rescued, so that you could be part of the family and have a seat at the table, right? Amen. So this morning, you know, maybe you should ask yourself some questions. Do I see myself as part of God's family? Legit? Like, really? Do I see myself as part of God's family? Am I walking up to the fridge, so to speak, and opening it? Understanding that every one of the over 3,000 promises in the Bible, God's already said yes to? Am I walking in that capacity? Am I building my life on the fact that God has already said yes, that he's already paid a price, that not only are my basic needs met, but there's a pool and a swing set and every good thing that I want. It's not about being selfish about what we want. It's about the fact the Father's good and that he's opened up this great life for us. So if you're in any way thinking like an orphan, feeling like an orphan, feeling alone, feeling detached, feeling that you're not part of the family, we need to deal with that. We need to settle it with the truth of God's word, right? So that you can build your life. Because what happens is if you don't understand who God is and who you are, and you go to get that ground ball, if you don't have that understanding of the basic, that's when the enemy can come. And he can talk you out of believing for things and make you feel less than and constantly tell you who you're not. But the only thing he knows how to do is lie. And the Bible tells us the truth. We're a family, amen? Point two today is this. God is a good father. It seems so simple, but truthfully, there's a lot of confusion today about whether God's good, whether he's bad, whether he loves us, or whether he's angry. And whether or not you've had a good earthly father, whether you've had any earthly father example, maybe you had a bad example, we can't take our, we can't build our life on natural things. We have to build our life on what the truth says. 
You know, there are so many people that are confused about God. There's so many people that don't know that he is good. You might be surprised at how many times that when we're in conversations with people, God is so misrepresented. The father is blamed for so many things that he didn't do. God is good. Now, the Bible says that every good gift in James 1, every good gift and every perfect present comes from heaven. It comes down from God who does not change. And even though a lot of us are Christians, a lot of us really don't know God's character or we might question God's character because maybe we've assumed some things along the way. Maybe actually we've been preached a message that wasn't true. I've sat in funerals and I've heard messages that were a flat-out lie about my father God. God doesn't take people. God doesn't kill people. God doesn't bring acts of God and natural disasters and wipe out communities. That's not God. James 1 says that he's good and he gives good gifts and perfect gifts, and he doesn't change. Well, if he gives good gifts and he doesn't change, can he give bad gifts? I'm going to ask it again because a lot of us don't know. If God is good and he gives good gifts and he gives perfect gifts and he doesn't change, is he going to give you a good gift one day and a bad gift the next day? No. It's a very basic, but can you see how? I'm sure all of us, if I asked you to raise your hand, if you've heard any time that God's been misrepresented, we, we've all heard it. And along the way, we may have let that build our belief system about the Father. But you can't build a solid Christian life where you're able to win over circumstance and issues if you're not even sure if God's going to give you what you ask. You can't build a solid Christian life if you're confused about whether God gives good things or bad things. But we have to build our life and our foundation on what God's word says. So God gives good things. You know, if we build our life on people's opinions, it will be all over the board and we'll live life super confused. John 10 and 10 says that the thief comes in order to kill, steal, and destroy. But God sent Jesus. Jesus said, I came that you and I may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full and until it overflows. Is that the kind of life that we believe we can live? Is that the kind of life that we're living and believe that we can have? You know, it'd help us so much if we could understand as a basic what I call the John 10-10 line. The John 10-10 line. Now, there isn't a, a real line, but, you know, an imaginary line, but I'm going to use this rope. See, the John 10-10 line can help us build a life on truth. Bible says that the thief comes, so on this side, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So anytime in life when we're experienced, when things are stolen from us, or things are trying to be destroyed, or things are killed, whether it's people that we love, or dreams that are killed, or things that just aren't working, God didn't do that. The Bible says the thief did it, but God gets blamed for it so much, but he's a good father. And the John 10 and 10 line says it's the thief that comes to steal. But on the other side of that line is what Jesus came to bring. It's good life, the good life, the abundant life, the life that overflows with goodness and good things. It's pretty simple, yet again, a lot of people are confused about it. Bad is bad, the devil does that. Good is good, God gives that. Bad is bad, 
The enemy wants that for your life. Good is good. God has made every provision so that this can be a part of your life, the good life, the life that Jesus came to bring. You know, the message translation says it this way, that Jesus came so that we could have real and eternal life, more and better life than they've ever dreamed of. Is that the kind of life we really believe that we can build? A better life than we've dreamed of? You know, I think that unless we understand, again, the very basic truth, a lot of us just settle into this life where we just hope nothing bad happens. That we don't really go after building a life that's better than what we can dream of. A life where God can heal the deep hurts, that he can restore us to something great, that he can show us the future. But that's the kind of life that Jesus came to bring. Not a sad, I just hope to make it another day. I hope nothing like uh, really super bad happens. Not a life of feeling lonely and disconnected. Not a life so stressed out and under pressure that we can't even feel like we can breathe. That's not the life Jesus came to bring. No, he came to bring the abundant life. A life of belonging. A life of peace where there's nothing missing, nothing broken. A life of joy, a life of abundance, a life of good things. That's the kind of life he mapped out for us. Ephesians 2 says this about your future. We're God's handiwork, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that he may do the good, that we may do the good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. It's a basic for us to understand, again, that Jesus opened up the good life to you. It doesn't mean that bad things won't sometimes happen. But when things happen in our life, we, when we understand the line, and we understand if it's bad, God didn't send it, so I'm not going to receive it, and I'm going to do everything I can to push against it and get to the good. But if we're confused, do you understand that if something bad happens, and people think it's from God, we kind of get in this, like, well, then it must be a cross I have to bear. Like, God's trying to teach me something. And we've all heard that, right? God doesn't bring disease and put it on you to teach you something. He paid a great price so you could be free from disease and sickness. But if we don't understand the simple truth of John 10 and 10, the thief is the, the one destroys and God's the one that gives life, then we're not sure how to build our life. And that's where we can get pummeled by the enemy. The enemy can do all kinds of things to us. If we're confused about what's good and what's bad and what's from God and what's not, we'll just assume everything's from God. And a lot of people do. But that's not what the word teaches, and that's not how we build our life. Amen? So when we understand that Jesus has mapped out the good life for us, then our expectation can become, okay, this is bad, I'm experiencing, but God, I know that you have the good life mapped out for me. And I know that if I can just cooperate with you, that you'll show me the next step and you'll take me from this situation to what you have for me. When we build our life understanding who he is, he's good. And we build our life understanding who he says we are, we're his. What a misrepresentation it would be of my sister, my brother-in-law, to see their kids dirty and messed up and never having anything and hungry, it would be such a misrepresentation of how good my sister is. Her kids, if they, if they were never, if they were always neglected and never, never had what they needed, never looked nice, never bathed, 
what a misrepresentation of my family. You could be sure I'd say something to my sister. Like, dude, that's not how we roll. Clean your kids. How many Christians that you know, though, are sick and weak and defeated and miserable and stressed out? It's a misrepresentation of God. It's not because God's not good. It's because we don't understand who the Father is and we don't understand who we are. And that doesn't mean that we'll not have to deal with some of those things. Okay, the Bible says trouble's going to come. But when trouble comes, we know, God, if I become more skillful and cooperating with you, you will get me to the fullness of John 10.10. He'll bring us out every time. The more skillful we become at the basics. Now, what I don't want you to hear today is that if bad things happen, it's your fault because you don't know enough. That could be the case. But it's not always the case because the Bible says we do have an enemy. And it says that he goes about like a roaring lion, lion, and he's just trying to devour everybody. And when bad things come into our life, it's not your fault. It's because the devil's bad. (laughs) However, that's not the period at the end of the sentence for us. The period at the end of the sentence is, but I came, Jesus said, so you can live the good life. And when we know who God is and who we are, we can cooperate with God and live more and more toward the good life. So the John 10 and 10 line has to be part of how we build our life from the ground up. Now, the Bible says in Psalm 34, 8, as we close today, to taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. The second part of the scripture says, how blessed is the person who trusts in him. Now, the scripture is saying that God wants you to personally experience how good he is. God wants you not to just be looking on the outside through the window trying to figure out how how good God is. He wants you to personally experience his goodness. Well, how do you do that? Well, how we personally experience his goodness is when we walk with him and we see him deliver us from situations and we see him show up in our life, we experience for real, the real God. You see, last summer, we were headed toward a church on the East Coast, and we took part of that time as vacation for our family. A couple of days, we stayed with some friends, and, and part of that, Pastor Tom was, you know, ministering at a church in the, on the East Coast. And we had like this 24-hour jaunt between Virginia and the Outer Banks where we were like, hey, no, we could do, we could go to New York City. We could take our kids to New York City. And so we did that. We planned it out and it looked so much shorter on the map than what it actually is when you're in the car with all your family. However, we went to New York City and so um, we went to see the Statue of Liberty. So we had less than 24 hours, okay? So just to tell you the overachiever my husband is. We had less than 24 hours. We went to see the uh, Statue of Liberty. And if you haven't been, you have to go. It's like, man, God, you're so good. And it just reinforces the goodness of God in our country. So we saw the Statue of Liberty. And we went to the museum. And then it was almost our daughter Allie's birthday. So we're like, hey, we're, we're really close to Hoboken, New Jersey. Let's dart over to uh, Carlos Bakery, the Everseen Cake Boss. Let's go to Carlos Bakery. So we went in there with our kids. And we got like cannolis with chocolate on them, praise God, and chocolate-covered strawberries and pastries. 
And then we were were like, okay, we're going to stay downtown in New York City. We'd never been. So we stayed downtown. By the time we did all that stuff, we were so, like, hungry, sweaty, been walking all day, so hungry. And we're like, we've got to have pizza. And so they told us about this great pizza place. So we went to this place called Familia's Pizza. And they're going to bring it up on the screen. Oh, not that one. Go to the, the other one. Yeah. Familia's Pizza. And according to the slogan on their paper plates, they're the best pizza in New York City. And so I'm telling you what, after being in the car and then walking all over the place and riding the boat to the statue and back and walking downtown and walking to find the pizza place, how many of you know we were so excited to sit down and to eat that pizza? And this pizza, the thing is, it's kind of like you could pick the crust and they had all kind of different, they had calzones and thin crust and medium crust. But I picked, you can go that next one now, I picked that one. Like, I'm not messing around. If I'm in New York City, I'm getting the thickest bread crust and the goopy sauce and the cheese. And I'm telling you, when I ate that pizza, (laughs) after feeling so American and walking through the hustle bustle and all the weird smells of New York City, and I sat down and I ate that pizza, I was like, yes, God, you're good. Now, see, I can talk about this experience with you. And you can enjoy it and laugh, and maybe it stirs something in you to want to go see New York City now. But how many of you know that you can't taste the pizza that you're looking at the picture of? You can just hear me talk about my experience. You see, God wants you to personally experience how good he is. He wants you to have this personal relationship with him as a child of his. He's your dad. He's a good father. He wants you to experience what it's like when he comes in and actually heals those deep hurts on the inside of you and sets you free from years of feeling ashamed, from feeling not enough, from feeling broken. He wants you to experience that. He wants you to experience what it's like to be delivered out of a situation that looks absolutely hopeless. Is that right, Terry and Lori and Josh? They've experienced firsthand God doing the impossible in their family. God wants you to experience that. God wants you to experience what it's like to go from being under crushing debt and the weight and just stress of financial problems to live in the abundant life. We have great friends who aren't here today, the Arringtons. They're actually... On, the way, on their way to Maui for a cruise. But I'll tell you what, they were at as far bottom as you could get when it came to their finances. And if you haven't heard the story, they, were, they had already had bank, been bankrupt. They were so crushed by the weight of financial pressure. They were about to go bankrupt again. And Tim said, I suddenly had to surrender to God. He said, I went to the lowest place in my house. They had this nice two-story house with a full basement. He went all the way down to the basement and laid on the basement floor and said, God, I need you to show up. I don't know what to do. I have made a mess out of my life. But do you know that now when they're sitting on that cruise ship going from Maui to wherever that they're going, they're tasting and seeing that God is good. And we can inspire you with stories, and it's not just so that you can think things are great. It's so that you can know that God's a good father, 
And he wants you to taste and see that he's good. He wants you to experience whatever it is that you need in your life. And the thing is, his refrigerator is full of whatever you need. It doesn't matter if it's relational, if it's deeply personal, if it's about your past, if it's about your future, if it's fear, if it's dread, if it's stress, if it's sickness, if it's relationship problems. It doesn't matter to God. His refrigerator is full of every good thing. And when we know who we are, we know that we have the right to access the full inheritance that God has. Amen. So this morning, I just want to give you the opportunity. If you don't know God in that personal way, and you're like, you know what? I need to experience and taste and see God's goodness in my life. We want to give you the opportunity to do that this morning. So while everybody's head is bowed and our eyes are closed, I just want you to examine for just a minute what your life is like right now in this moment. And if you are desiring, God, I need you. I want you to show up in my life. And if you feel a little bit today like, I just need to surrender. Maybe you're not going to walk to the lowest place in your basement in this moment. But in your heart, you're like, God, I'm right now just feeling desperate. I'm feeling lost. I'm feeling hurt. I need you. I want you. I've tried to do it on my own. Even if you've been in church and you've called yourself a Christian and you, and you are a Christian. If this morning you're like, I'm ready for a change. I want you this morning to say yes to Jesus. So is there anybody today, if, if that's you, if you want to either ask Christ to come into your life or say, I want to experience the good life. I just want you simply to raise your hand really quickly before we move on in service. Go ahead and raise your hand this morning. Awesome. We don't ever want to walk through this situation by ourselves. So this morning, what we're going to do is lead you through a prayer. And um, as we pray this, if you mean it from your heart, and the Bible says that you transition from being an orphan to being part of God's family. So let's all go ahead and stand up today. We're going to pray through this prayer together. So let's pray. You can just repeat after me. Say, Father, Father thank you. Thank you. For the truth of your word. For the truth of your word. That you're a good father. You're a good father. And that when I say yes to Jesus, I'm no longer an orphan. I'm 100% family. In this moment, I ask you to come into my life so that I can taste and see that you are good. I need to experience you, God. On a completely different level. So right now I give my heart to you. Right now I give my heart. I give my life to you. And I choose to follow you. All the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome.